Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like to invite you to turn with me and your Bibles to the book of Daniel in chapter 6. Daniel in chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 3. And what I want to share with you tonight about is being a person of excellence or being a leader of excellence, being an example to the body of Christ as well as to those that are in the world. Every person is called of God. How many of you know that? Being called of God, we are responsible to Him to walk up rightly before Him and to serve Him with an excellent spirit. And I really believe that this is a year of excellence in life and ministry as far as we are concerned here at Christian Assembly. And that God is moving by His Spirit so that we can line up with His desired purpose for us to be a ministry of excellence in both life and ministry. And so I want to share with you some basic truths I believe will help us achieve that goal. You will notice... In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3, I'm not going to take time to get in reading all these verses, so I just want to point out these particular ones that will help support what we're talking about. In verse 3 it says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit. Everybody say an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit, you see, was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Why was he preferred? Why was he promoted? Because he was of an excellent spirit. How many of you know that God wants all of His children to be of an excellent spirit? Whether you're in leadership or just a lay person in the body of Christ, God wants us all to be of an excellent spirit. And in particular, if you're in any type of leadership whatsoever, God wants you to operate from an excellent spirit. Every single one of us is responsible to be this kind of an example to both believers in the church and non-believers outside of the church. And whether you realize it or not, people are watching you because of your testimony and because of your belief. And if you represent Christ, then they're going to look at you to find out and determine if what you have is genuine. No matter if you're in the workplace, at the grocery store, at the drug store, wherever you go, wherever you're at, people are watching to determine whether or not what you have is real. And that's why we need to be on our guard daily to see to it that we demonstrate a spirit of excellence at all times. Daniel was that kind of a person. And God was able to use him because he was of an excellent spirit. In the book of Philippians in chapter 1, you can turn there if you like. Philippians in chapter 1 and verse 9. This is something that Paul prayed for when he prayed for the church at Philippi. 
He prayed in verse 9, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. J.B. Phillips says, I want you always to be able to discern what is the highest and what is the best. Shouldn't we all be stri striving for that in our lives and ministry? What is the highest and what is the best? In all areas of life, when you walk with Jesus, the highest is if we love Him and serve Him, then we should be striving to be free from sin. Right? Also, we should be striving to be free from sickness and disease because He died for our health. We should be striving to be free from poverty because He died so that we could prosper. And you take everything that represents God's highest and God's best, and that's what we should be striving for. That kind of a person is of an excellent spirit, one who is striving for things that are excellent when it comes to the things of God. And that's how God wants every single one of us to be. But now listen carefully. When it comes to a ministry of excellence, we're not talking about a name, Christian assembly. We are talking about people. We are talking about those people that really make up the ministry. The people should be dedicated to the Lord in such a manner that they commit themselves to being an example of excellence in life and ministry. They have taken it upon themselves to choose to develop the characteristics that demonstrate excellence in spirit. You see, it's a choice as to whether or not we are a ministry of excellence and if we live a life of excellence or not. That's up to us. It's a choice. We have got to choose to develop those qualities and characteristics that make up excellence in life and ministry. Now turn with me to Second Timothy, if you would please. And if you desire to live a life that is pleasing to God, and if you desire to live a life of excellence before God, these characteristics I'm about to share with you will help you develop a strong, secure foundation that will enable you to achieve that goal. You should want to be a person who is of an excellent spirit, just like Daniel. We should want to be a congregation of people that show forth a ministry of excellence before the Lord as well as before the peoples of the earth. When people come in, and hook up or just attend a, a service to find out what we're all about. They should walk out from this place and say, My goodness, I see a spiritual professionalism there demonstrated among those people. They really love God and they really represent God well. The way everything is done, the way everything is handled is of an excellent spirit. Don't you want that to be said of you? Absolutely, we should want that to be said of us, that we do everything first rate, first quality, choosing excellence to be the standard for our lives and for our ministry. Individually speaking, as a person, as an individual person, you should want to walk before God with an excellent spirit. 
And these truths will help you achieve that particular goal. In 2 Timothy in chapter 2, we have our first characteristic of a person who is a leader of excellence or of an individual who chooses to live a life of excellence before God. As far as I'm concerned, these may be standards that He revealed to those that might be in leadership positions, but if you're out there and you're not in a particular leadership position, if you choose to live by that standard, it's not going to hurt you in any way. If anything, it's going to make you a better person before God. Amen? Without a doubt. Second Timothy in chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 15 here. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One who is striving to be a person of excellence in life and in ministry or in a leadership position is one who learns to correctly handle the word of God. You say, well, what do you mean by that? We should never use the Word of God to condemn people. We should never use the Word of God to manipulate people. We should never use the Word of God to control people. We should use the Word of God properly because we know that it's the knowledge of the truth that makes men free. And if we present the gospel of Jesus Christ in a proper way, in an excellent way, that word will go forth with such power. It will penetrate that person's very soul and it will affect change within a person's life. You see, beloved, every single one of us who wants to have an excellent spirit must fill that spirit up with the true spirit of the word and choose to, to use the word and speak the word in love in a dynamic way that will be effective in reaching the hearts and the lives of the people that we minister to because every single one of us is called to be a minister of the gospel. So we should reverence the Word, we should obey the Word, and we should study the Word of God in such a way, in such a manner, that we rightly divide the Word of truth, that we use the Word accurately, and that we use the Word properly. And we don't beat people with it, but we present it in such a loving and a powerful way that it affects change in the lives of those that we minister to. And we can talk about that for a long time, but we can't take that much time on each and every one of these. So be a person who puts the Word of God first place in your life, who sets out to obey it, to walk in the light of it, and use it properly as a ministry tool to reach others. Secondly, look at verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. Now you remember, he is talking to a leader. He is talking to Timothy he is giving him instruction and he is sharing certain truths that will help him to be a person who is of an excellent spirit or as he says it here in these particular verses, he says, you'll be one who is prepared to be used by the Master whose life consists of those qualities of silver, gold and precious stone. In other words, you're of an excellent spirit. So the second thing that we need to consider is that one who chooses to be a leader of excellence, chooses to refuse to indulge himself or herself in chatter or gossip. Notice what he says here. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. This person chooses to watch what he or she says. This person refuses to get caught up in gossip 
and in the speaking of words that will tear down and destroy. There was an individual who attended a particular meeting and he was a pastor. And he was at wit's end. He was ready to give up, throw in the towel and walk away from the ministry. And as he went into this particular service as a last ditch effort to determine what he was going to do with his life, the minister stopped and just spoke out these words and said to this person, don't give up. God will see you through. And that's all that person heard. And the Spirit of God took those words and quickened those words in that person's life. And the person went back. And it wasn't something that was magical, but the person went back into his own setting where his own church was and still fought those feelings. But every time he was ready to throw in the towel, those words came back. Don't give up. The Lord will see you through. Just trust in God, you see. And he heard those words over and over and over and over again and finally concluded that words were absolutely, positively powerful. Because as he listened to those words, rather than what the other voices were saying to him, a quickening work of the Holy Spirit took place in his life and gave him renewed strength. And he was delivered from that spirit that would bring depression into his life and cause him to quit and walk away from the things of God. Beloved, words are powerful. And we need to understand that. So what you say to somebody is extremely important, extremely powerful, and could make the difference between failure and success. So what you say, even let's say to your children, and what I say to my children is important because those words are lasting. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And besides all that, God's Word says to us that gossip does three things. Number one, it separates close friends. Gossip separates close friends. Number two, it betrays a confidence. We are to be people of excellence in spirit and of integrity. And if someone confides in us and tells us something, we're not to spread that in any way, in any manner whatsoever. Doing so means you break confidence. You betray a confidence. It's not a good thing. And also, it stirs up quarrels. It stirs up quarrels. And you can find those references in, in Proverbs 16:28, 11:13, and 26:20. Gossip will do those three things, and they are all destructive. To be of an excellent spirit, you have to be mindful of the fact that your words are powerful, and what you say will either destroy or create. And I'd rather be one to use my words in a productive way. What about you? Not destructive way. Thirdly, uh, a leader in, look at verse 20, start with 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Notice, a vessel of honor. Would you rather be a vessel of honor which maintains a spirit of excellence or of dishonor before the Lord? Well, in order to be a vessel of honor, he said this is something that we have to do. And that is what? Purge ourselves. Everybody say, purge myself. See, if a man therefore purge himself, say it again, I must purge myself. Purge myself from these things, from those things that would bring dishonor or those things that would represent 
a, a spirit of dishonor that would dishonor God. So being a, 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 an individual who is of an excellent spirit is a choice. I choose to separate myself from thoughts that dishonor God, from words that dishonor God, from actions that dishonor God, from anything that displeases or dishonors God. I am to separate myself and purge myself from, cleanse myself from any of these things that would be offensive to God, any attitude I must purge myself from. I recognize any attitude that exists in my life that would not be pleasing to God. And I say, you know what? I need to purge myself from that. I need to separate. Look, go back to verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? From iniquity. We must cleanse ourselves from whatever it is that displeases God and not allow those things to control our lives. If we want to be of an excellent spirit. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 1, it's, it's called throwing aside or setting aside the sins and the weights that so easily beset us in this life. That pull us down and weigh us down. That is something that we do. That is something that we cleanse ourselves from. That's a decision that we make in our lives on a daily basis. That no, I, I can't walk in that. I can't walk in gossip. I can't allow thoughts that are wrong to control my life. I can't get myself caught up in, in saying things that are destructive. I can't be a party to any of these things. I can't be critical. I can't criticize. I can't hold bitterness in my heart against anybody. I can't always speak doubt and unbelief and speak sickness and disease and speak poverty and want and expect to have God's blessings in my life. I've got to separate myself from that kind of talk. I've got to separate myself from those actions. And you see, you're developing a spirit of excellence as you do so. You don't want to be disqualified, beloved, from your race. You want to be among those that finish their race with joy, don't you? When we were there at the conference, we saw a video, or I saw a video that was being shown to the youth and how they conducted a youth service. And it was about Hebrews chapter 1, or chapter 12 and verse 1, that we all have a race to run in. And they showed two announcers that were, were calling the play-by-play, -play, and they put a person down there on the track. And you saw him standing out there on a racing track, just like an Olympic racing track. And he was getting ready to run his race. He was right there at the line, ready for the start, down in his proper stance and ready to take off and run his race around that track. And the two announcers were saying, well, we see he's done his homework. We see he've, he's prepared himself. We can see that he's in really the best shape we've ever seen him ever before. And they're talking back and forth about this individual. And it goes on to say, as, as he begins to take off and run his race, he's beginning really well. He's taking off. He's doing really well. He's excited about this race. He's taking off. And he's just floating right on through. And they're excited because look at look what he's doing. Look, he's, he's got a good pace going and all that. Well, all of a sudden, someone comes along who represents a peer in his life and says, hey, there's a party down the street. Why don't you come on with us? And he's tugging at him while he's trying to run his race and just pulling over his one shoulder, pulling him back while he's trying to run his race. And then someone else comes on with a, with a bottle of alcohol and shows him the alcohol and says, come on, come on, come on with us. Just, just, there's a party down here. We're going to go and do this and have all this fun. And he's looking back and look this way, back, and he's trying to run his race. And he's probably saying, just leave me alone, just leave me alone. But, but you know, they're enticing him, trying to get him to get off course with God. And finally, he pulls out the biggest Bible you ever saw and smacks them both, one this side, one that side. They go flying across the track like that. And he takes off, and the announcers are just, just giving high fives and starting a wave and all that stuff because they're excited that, that, that this person went on with God and didn't choose 
to walk in things that would dishonor God. And it goes on and talks about different other things that try to hold him back. But it's a choice, beloved, to walk before the Lord with an excellent spirit and say, no, that's not me. I'm not going to be a party to gossip or anything that's going to hold me back in my race. And then uh, let's read on. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. We see number 4. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with all them or with them that call on the Lord out of a what? Everybody say pure heart. Maintaining a pure heart enables us to develop into a leader of excellence. We must develop a pure heart before God. In Matthew 5, 8, what did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? The pure in heart will see God. It's the pure in heart that will see God. Beloved, I'll tell you something right now. To, to maintain a pure heart, we have to walk tender before God. Every single one of us. There are many distractions that are out there in the world today. There are many things that come into our lives that try to, to make us impure within our hearts. All kinds of thoughts, all kinds of suggestions. And even within Christian circles, if you're not careful, you can get caught up in things that will cause you to have an impure heart before God. And we don't want that. We've got to separate ourselves from anything that will bring impurity into our hearts or into our lives. And the pure in heart, we're going to see God. And if you'll walk with a pure heart before God, you are going to have an excellent spirit. You're going to see God manifesting Himself gloriously in your life. And in the book of Psalms, I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible. This is Psalm 24 and verse 3 and 4. Who shall go up into the mountain of the Lord or who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted himself up to falsehood or to what is false nor sworn deceitfully. So right there you can see that those that walk with God in the high places, those that manifest an excellent spirit, one that God observes and sees, those that God promotes, those that God will use are those that are of a pure heart. And you have no time to allow unforgiveness or bitterness or, or immorality or anything that would in any way bring damage to that purity of heart in your life. And you'll have an excellent spirit, praise God, before God. And that's what He wants from all of us. Second Timothy 2 and verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Now, the servant of the Lord has got to be gentle or kind. He has got to be gentle or kind. He's not quarrelsome. He is not resentful. But he is kind. He is sympathetic. He is considerate and understanding. And when people come to that person, that person is willing to offer sound advice or sound counsel or lift up another person showing true concern and care and love because he's kind, because he's gentle. He or she realizes the need for them to demonstrate the qualities and the characteristics of God. And so that person chooses to recognize anything that would take away from their being kind or gentle and they refuse to walk in that. If they have to go before the Holy Spirit of God and say, Lord, that's not me, so change me. Change me. Move upon my heart. Move upon my life. I want to be of an excellent spirit. I want to be a leader of excellence in the earth today. I want people to be able to follow my lead and follow my example and pattern their lives after me as I pattern my life after Christ. I want those characteristics. How many know the fruit of the Spirit were given to us to walk in? Not just to say we have. Amen. We're to walk in the fruit of the Spirit to be gentle and to be kind is to be considerate towards other people. 
And God wants us as a body of believers to do that, to be considerate of other people and to really give of ourselves to under other people. When we, when we see people that are in need and we pray for people, we don't just do it at like the top of our heads and just pray a, a, an aimless prayer. But we really just take a moment to put ourselves in that person's situation or position. And when you hear that somebody is having a problem, you show kindness and gentleness and consideration and concern. And you may listen to what they have to say, but then always take them aside and say, I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up before the Lord. I want to, to enlist the help of God for you. We care about you. God wants us to be that way as a ministry. I mean, in every single one of us, everybody that's associated with this ministry, God wants us to develop these qualities so that when the people do come in, they're what? They're overwhelmed by love. They're overwhelmed by kindness and by gentleness and a real genuine concern that people have for human life. You know, God is concerned about human life. God is not callous toward human life. God is concerned about human life. God cares about human life. And God wants us to care about human life. You know, we have got to have the heartbeat of God in the earth today. We have got to have the compassion of God in the earth today, don't we? That's how His power flows through our lives. When we see things through His own eyes, praise God, that's when the job gets done. We're not to be rude or crude when it comes to dealing with people. We're also not to be easily offended when, when maybe people have a... Uh, something to say about us. In some cases, even a constructive criticism is taken wrong and people get offended immediately. And we're not to be that way. We've got to have a tough hide when it comes to walking with God and walking before men. And we've got to realize that maybe some things will be said that we don't agree with or, or some things may be said that are hurtful. But you know what? We've got to just toughen up and say, praise God, I'm still going to demonstrate the love of God. I'm going to be kind and gentle no matter what people do to me or no matter what people say to me. That's how God wants us to be. And then, I want you to turn with me to the book of Second Peter. Peter also had some instruction with regard to being a person of excellence. In Second Peter, be kind, don't be quarrelsome. Be kind, don't be resentful. Don't get into strife. Man, love people. I'll tell you what, if you'll commit yourself to loving people, God will take you a long way. How many of you here want your faith to grow? And I mean to be effective and powerful. You see, you can't just talk about faith to achieve that. Faith is a part of it, but I want you to see something here. We're to add to our faith certain characteristics and qualities that will enable us to be of an excellent spirit. In the book of Second Peter, in chapter 1, and let's take a look at um, verse 3 first. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Boy, that's a confession, isn't it? Say that with me. God has given unto me all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it comes through the knowledge of Him that has called us, uh, out of, called us to glory and to virtue. That's powerful, saints. God has already given to us. He made a deposit in us of all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we've got to develop those things in our lives and bring them forth. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We need to work out these qualities and characteristics in our lives so that we can be more God-like and imitate our Father God and walk as Jesus walked in the earth. And if we don't give attention to this, it's not going to happen. Let's read on. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith. Notice, add to your faith. Add to your faith. We are to add to our faith those things that will enable us to be a leader of excellence, a person of excellence, and have a spirit of excellence. 
Like Daniel had an excellent spirit. That's how we are to be. And so number six is, in verse five, add to your faith what? Virtue. Virtue actually means goodness. Walk in the goodness of God. We are to walk in the goodness of God. Everybody say, God is good. See, we know that God is good, but we're to add to our faith goodness, which is the goodness of God. Why? It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, is it not? Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. See, goodness is a quality of God that must come out of our innermost being so that we can lead people to Christ. Not condemn people, not browbeat people. Now, I don't believe in going into church and just getting out of bullwhip and just beating people all over the head with the Word of God. I believe in sharing with people the love of God because that's what's going to be lasting in a person's life. Yes, there is a heaven to gain and yes, there is a hell to shun. But what people need to understand is you don't have to go to hell if you don't want to. And God's not trying to send you there. God has done everything in His power. He has been so good to humanity that He gave up His only begotten Son to show His goodness, to turn away from sin... In his head from your sin and your shortcomings. Why? So that because of his goodness, he can lead you to repentance. He still tells you, the, the valid sinner out there, I love you. I care for you. I've got a great plan for you. I've got a future for you. I've got a destiny for you. I want to be good to you. I want to show you that I'm a good God. I'm a son and shield that gives grace and glory. And no good thing will I withhold from those that love me and walk uprightly before me. You realize we're supposed to take that message to this world? I don't know what you've heard before in other places, but I'm going to tell you something. God loves you. God cares about you. And God wants to be a good God to you. And what is good comes from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. What comes to you that is evil, that steals and kills and destroys, comes from Satan and the very pit itself. So add to your what? Add to your faith goodness, virtue, or the goodness of God, and you will develop into an excellent spirit who is a leader of excellence in this life. Well, there's only one way. You're going to have to live in the presence of God. The only way that you're going to develop that kind of goodness is to live in the presence of God. God is good. And when you walk with Him, you'll develop goodness in your life. You'll see how good He is. I'll tell you what. You'll see some things even in acts of judgment where God is still so good because He had the good of men in mind even when He had to carry out judgment. Do you realize that? As awful as it was not sometimes for Him to carry out judgment... He was looking out for the whole good of all the human race and all of humanity. And I am assured there was nothing he could have done to change those people who decided they weren't going to serve him. And that's why they were judged and condemned. But he didn't want to do that. Think about that. God is so good. So good. Then also, let's look at that same verse. Add to your faith virtue or goodness and to virtue what? Knowledge. You see, knowledge is absolutely important. If we're going to grow in the things of God, we have got to have the knowledge of God. Go on back to uh, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. People perish for the lack of knowledge. To be of an excellent spirit, we said you've got to have the knowledge of God. You've got to have the knowledge of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, of God's love, of His goodness, how He cares for humanity. You've got to flood your spirit with those thoughts. He's that way toward you. He's that way toward me. Aren't you glad He loves you that much? Aren't you glad He's that good to you? I've got to have that kind of a knowledge in my life so that I can realize that I need to pass it on to somebody else. 
I'm not going to know how to pass it on to somebody else if I don't receive it for myself. I know that God loves me. I know that God is good to me. And I'm confident in telling somebody else that, look, the Father cares about you. The Father wants to meet your need. I don't have to hesitate to tell that to somebody because I know Him in whom I believe. And so do you. And when you walk that way, you'll have an excellent spirit. You've got to grow in knowledge and so do I in the knowledge of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 14, you might want to write it down. Wise men store up knowledge. Wise men store up knowledge. If you're a wise person, you'll store up the knowledge of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in your heart, the knowledge of His Word, and you'll put it on the inside of you like the psalmist said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you in any way. And you'll develop an excellent spirit if you'll do that. If I'll do that. We all would. But it's up to us. We've got to do our part. We've got to study. We've got to discipline ourselves to get into the Word of God and find out what God says through daily study, through daily reading and, and, and attend, attending church and hearing the Word go forth, putting in tapes and all that. And flood your spirit, man, with the Word of God. I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about going right to the Bible for yourself and looking to what God said for yourself so God can instruct you by His Spirit. And then next, number eight, add to your to knowledge in verse six, temperance. Everybody say temperance. Everybody say self-control. Self-control is temperance. And what he's talking about is not being controlled or ruled by our emotions or our feelings or anger or any ungodly influence in our lives. Self-control and discipline mark affect the, the lives of excellent leaders. Those that are given to excellence in life and ministry must ex- experience self-control and walk in self-control and live a disciplined life. You know why? Because you can't study the Word of God properly without discipline and self-control. You can't commit to prayer without being a person of discipline and self-control. You won't wait on God unless you're a disciplined person and walking in self-control. You've got to battle thoughts that come against your mind. You've got to battle temptations and evils and distractions. And you have got to demonstrate self-control in order to be a person of the Word, a person of prayer, and a person of the Spirit. The Bible says that a person who is given to anger is going to be controlled by his emotions. That person is going to be harder to be won. If, if, if you give anger and, and anger controls a person's life, that person's harder to be won to God than a strong city. But a person who is in control of his temper, he's in control of his emotions, that person is secure in God. That person develops an excellent spirit. That person will walk with God in the fullness of his power. And God is looking for people to develop those qualities and characteristics. And if we'll give ourselves to those things and not just ignore anger that tries to control us and say, well, that's just me because that's the Italian in me. <laughs> You've never heard that about the Italian. See, that's the Italian in me. It's, 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 it's let's say, more polite to say it that way than that's the devil in me. <laughs> right? Not too many amens in the amen corner. <laughs> Amen. Number nine, also in verse six, add to temperance what? Patience. Everybody say perseverance. Perseverance. Say it again, perseverance. Perseverance. Say it again, perseverance. Perseverance. One more time, perseverance. Perseverance. You say, why are you saying to say that so many times? Because that's what perseverance is. 
Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Be a Rocky for Jesus. Get up and get up and get up and get up and get up. Don't lay down on the mat. Get up. Fight. Get up. Fight. Get up. Fight. Get up. Fight. Don't quit. That's what it means. Don't quit. Perseverance. You have need of patience or perseverance. Why? So that you can experience the will of God in your life. Persevere in the things of God. When your feelings tell you to quit. When everyone around you tells you to quit. When your wife, just like Job, tells you to quit. Persevere and say, no, I refuse to give up. I refuse to quit. No matter what comes against me, no matter what tells me to quit, I refuse to give up. I am choosing to be of an excellent spirit. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I am not going to give up. That's what perseverance is. You see, in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, you're close by now, so let's look at that verse. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. That's exactly what he's talking about when it comes to running our race. We have got to run our race with what? Perseverance or patience. Why? And endurance. Why? Because he that endureth unto the end is going to be the winner. It's when people quit. When you start your race, start it with the intention of finishing it. I'm going to finish my course. Now, come on, saints. I believe we've got something to run for that's beyond what people do when they run for marath- in marathons, don't you? I mean, I've seen people that run and run and run, and I mean, if it takes them 14 hours to get across that line, they'll stagger across that line with no energy left if they've got to crawl across that line. And you say, what possesses them to cross that line? I guess just to say they did it. I did it. And haven't you ever seen in some cases on TV where it's like nightfall has come and there's some of the races are still staggering in and there's still a crowd of people waiting there to, to watch them cross the finish line and when they do, they applaud them. If one can be so motivated to do such a thing to win nothing but the applause of men because I crossed the line and you're able to say I crossed the line, everybody say, how much more? How much more? Say it louder, how much more? Should I be dedicated to God to run my race with perseverance and no matter what comes my way, no matter what the weather is, if it's night, if it's day, if it's raining, if it's sunny, if it's snowing, no matter what it is, I am not giving up. I'm fighting my good fight of faith. I will finish my course with joy. That's what he's saying to us. And listen to what it says here. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so so great a cloud of witnesses, who have borne testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. You know, the thing about it is when you're out there on that course, have you ever seen them take off from a marathon, beginning of a race? There's hundreds of the people, and sometimes thousands. On this course, there's only one. It's you. It's you. It's me. There's only one person on that course. It's your race that you have to run. It's my race that I have to run. But what is is there to, to help motivate me? Oh, I love this. Chapter 11 is talking about certain individuals, is it not? It's talking about Abel. It's talking about Noah. It's talking about Abraham. It talks about Enoch. 
who walk with God. It talks about all these men of faith and women of faith who ran their race and finished their course and now they're in the grandstands of heaven and they're cheering us on. I've got Abraham up there saying, come on, Bill, you can do it. I've got Noah up there saying, I had to build an ark and I did it. Praise God, I had all kinds of opposition, but I did it. I finished my course. I've got Paul up there saying, come on, Bill, come on, Bill. I was beaten. I was uh, thrown in the, in, the, in the sea. I was left for dead. I was stoned. They beat me with rods. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And if I made it, Bill, you can make it too. Come on, Bill. Get up and go. We've got those crowds of witnesses up there right now and they're speaking out to us and they're letting us know, you can do it because I did it. Run your race. Persevere. Don't give up. Fight your good fight. You'll be of an excellent spirit, praise God. You're not going to be somebody to say, well, I just quit, Pastor. I just quit. I'm giving up. I'm not doing this anymore. You have need a patience so that after you've done the will of God, you can inherit the promise. And number 10, and look at verse 6, the temperance, patience, and the patience what? Godliness. Godliness. That's 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6. It says godliness, add godliness. Godliness is what? Godlikeness. Everybody say godlikeness. You know, godliness is profitable in all things. Bodily exercise profits what? Little. But godliness is profitable unto what? Everybody say all things. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Practice godliness and you will develop an excellent spirit. You want godlikeness. And you sit in the presence of God and you know what? You'll exude godlikeness. I'm telling you, if you commit yourself just to spend a short period of time in prayer, you'll find yourself coming out from that place with God-likeness. You know what that means? God will get off on you. God, some of God will get on you. And when you walk away from that place, you will be a different person. And you'll walk in godliness, God-likeness. I remember E.W. Kenyon used to tell his wife when he would go away and spend three days in the hills or the mountains or somewhere without anything but his Bible get in the presence of God and he would come back home and get right into, up to her face and say, Honey, do I look anything more like Jesus today? Man, if she said no, oh my goodness, he said, Okay, bye. He'd go back up into the mountains until he would sit in the presence of the Lord and wait upon the Lord and wait upon the Lord with his Bible and then come back and say, Honey, do I look more like Jesus today? If she wanted a husband, she had to say yes. But it was true, he was changing. And look at verse 7, and this is number 11. Brotherly kindness. And to godliness add what? Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness means that I am to recognize that the body of Christ is a family. I want you to see something very clearly here. This helps us develop a spirit of excellence or an excellent spirit. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we are to view each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are to treat each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are to care for each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're to reach out to each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is something that God is saying to all of us that we need to do. Develop this. This is not just another person out there. This is someone who is family, who is hurting, who is crying out for help. And we are to look to that, first of all, look to God and then look to reach out and touch that person, help meeting that person's need just by a kind act, a phone call, an encouraging word, brotherly kindness, brotherly love, reaching out to each other, 
recognizing that we indeed are family and should be that way to each other. And then finally, number 12, and these are just some of the characteristics of an excellent spirit. And if we'll incorporate these characteristics into our lives, we will be of an excellent spirit. And finally, what does he say? And add to brotherly kindness. Everybody say charity. Everybody say agape. Agape love. That is the love of God that covers the multitude of sins. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? The love of God covers the multitude of sin. My sin, your sin, everyone's sin. Thank God for the love of God that covers, that prevents the multitudes of sin. When people choose to commit to walking in love, you're committing to walk in a spirit of excellence before men and before God. Love, perfect love, agape, divine love, casts out all fear. Can you see what's happening? Your spirit is being perfected in love and fear has no place where there's love. Faith operates by love. Faith is energized by love. The person committed to agape love then does what? Energizes his faith life. Praise God. And when it comes to demonstrating or walking in agape, number one, love who? God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It is love governed by principle. It's not, I love you, Lord, today because all is well, but it's raining tomorrow. Well, I don't know. I serve the Lord. What's He do for me? It's not based on our fluctuation of emotions or feelings. We love God. I mean, we love God. We love God. We just love God. We're in love with God. We love the Father. We love the Son. We love the Holy Ghost. We're so in love with God. We breathe God in every single day. We can't wait to fellowship with Him and give Him attention like He deserves in all, from all of our lives. Give Him the glory that's through His name. And number two, loving your mate. And you can incorporate loving your family. Loving your family with divine love. Allowing love to control your heart. Be of an excellent spirit. Let love uh, control your life like Paul said. The love of Christ constraineth me. I'm not moved by my emotions. I'm moved by the principles of God's Word that teaches me to love. Love governed by principle, not by feeling, not by emotion. No matter what you do to me, I'm still going to love you, praise God, because I have been told to do so. And someone says, but what if they hurt you so badly that you can hardly take it? We've all been there before. But you know what? I'm still not to live by my emotions or by my feelings. I'm still, still supposed to live by what the Word of God says, by the principles of the Word, and still love, even though I've been hurt. And you've been called to do the same thing. And you know what? When you choose to do so, you choose to live by an excellent spirit. And you'll, be, you'll develop into a leader of excellence if you'll do that. And then also, he said, love our neighbors. And then, who's our neighbor, of course? And that's answered to us. Anyone who's in need. Anyone that you can reach out to help. That's your neighbor. Anybody. And then finally, love. I don't know if I can get this out. Love your enemies. Enemies. Why? So that you can be what? Everybody say perfect. You think he has a mature spirit? You think our Father in heaven has a mature spirit? You think he has a spirit of excellence? You know that he does. So then learn to love your enemies. Why? So that you can be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. These are 12 characteristics that characterize a person who is wanting to be a leader of excellence and wanting to live his or her life with an excellent spirit before God. And if you'll choose to follow them, praise God, you will develop into an individual who has a spirit of excellence. Let's all stand before the Lord.
Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.